politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman standing at the ready to fight anew as if this is 1776 here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Thursday, March the 9th. And I know everyone thinks, oh, if I would have been there in 1776, I would have been with the patriots. Yeah, right. Oh, if I would have been there in Germany in the late 1930s, I wouldn't have gone along with that. I wouldn't have gone along with eugenics if I were a doctor. Yeah, right. Oh, I would have been like Raoul Wallenberg and Oscar Schindler. I would have risked my life to save people. Yeah, right. We're, we're all big talkers. But we just lived through an era. When you read the book from Stephen myself, Rise of the Fourth Reich, what, what, what you'll be overcome with, and, and a lot of you know it without the book, is it's not just at the governmental level. It permeated the entire medical profession and the entire society, where everyone enforced it upon each other. Everyone went along with it. Oh, I I can't buck the system. It's the law of the land. It's the law of the land. Something that violates God's law is not the law of the land. So coming up today, we're going to have a very special guest on, a doctor that put it all on the line, He was the Oscar Schindler of this generation, saved probably between the people he treated from COVID and between the people he is accused of giving fake COVID shots to, neither confirming nor denying that he actually did that, saved thousands of people. And now he's facing federal indictment prison time when those feds themselves should be facing jail time and actually swinging from a tree for what they did. So that's very exciting coming up soon. And by the way, speaking of taking your own health in your own hand, uh, food is the same thing as medicine now. Uh, They want you eating the bugs. Well, the way to not eat the bugs is to eat healthy protein, fish, chicken, meat. And God designed that to be the best food. The problem is, what if all the food is basically, especially the pork production, is owned by China. And what if they put in hormones and pro-inflammatory garbage in them? That's why you need to get oinked with Moink by signing up for your Moink box today at moinkbox.com slash conservative. When you sign up, what are you getting? You're getting the best grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door in your monthly boxes. You could choose from your assortments. And by signing up at moinkbox.com conservative, you'll get one year free complimentary of that order of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste. Again, perfectly healthy. The taste is amazing. And obviously, it is the healthiest American-grown processed food you will ever get, from ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops and salmon fillets. Plus, you can cancel any time, so you're not committed for a full year if you find it you know, too much to, to hold up to. But I guarantee you, once you start, you can't stop. So again, get oinked with Moink, M-O-I-N-K-box.com slash conservative. That's moinkbox.com slash conservative. So... Folks, I am a little bit behind on the news. It's been a nightmare. Some of you know this already. If you don't, my start mail got hacked. So some of you who have emailed me in the past, you automatically got these crazy, suspicious messages. Obviously, don't click on that. Disregard it. 
um, customer service has restored the account, so it is good now. Uh, a friend of mine, interestingly enough, he was in Naval Intel. He was able to, he was having some fun with the guy, and he uh, put a tracker back on whoever it was. And guess what? The hacker in my, to my email is based in Kiev, Ukraine. And I was thinking, man, that's emblematic of all of us. We're just getting raped and fleeced by Ukraine. But you know what? It's not just Ukraine. Uh, I, I, again, I, w- I want to get back to the main subject of the day, but I have to get this out first. Last night, there was a vote. So we all know Republicans are bought into Ukraine. But I thought by now we're done refereeing the Islamic civil wars. Like after, you know, over 20 years of that nonsense and all the pain, um, maybe they haven't learned their lesson and they're doing the same thing in Ukraine. But at a minimum, I thought we're done with this in the Middle East. Well, I was wrong. Matt Gates proposed a resolution to withdraw troops from Syria. We still have about a thousand of them doing God knows what there. It failed 103 to 321, and more Democrats than Republicans actually voted for it. Only 47 Republicans. So we all know that the Senate Republicans are a bunch of leftist, America last, uh, maniacal idiots. But even in the House, less than one fifth. Of House Republicans, just 47 supported it. We've learned nothing. This party is so broken. Ryan Zinke from Montana. Either we fight and defeat them in Syria, or we'll fight them in the streets of our nation. The same thing, you have to fight them there, so you don't fight them here, but they could only come here if you bring them here. And and Ryan Zinke and, and, and all of his, you know, he's kind of like a, a Crenshaw type of guy. All of those guys believe that you get involved in a five-way Islamic civil war, and Syria is really bad. It's like a multi-pronged civil war. No good side to take. And then you take in refugees from all sides and bring them on our shores. 47. Even I was impressed by that, by the way. I knew Ukraine we would probably lose on now because that's the new hotness, but Syria I thought we were done with. And yet we could only muster less than 20% of the GOP conference. That's unbelievable. By the way, interestingly enough, a lot of the Trump people online are trying to say, oh, Ron DeSantis is somehow a neocon. I want to play for you a clip from him nine years ago with Bob Fryer from Fox Orlando, Fox uh, 35 station. Um, it's a long clip, but I think it's worth listening in full. You get his full philosophy nine years ago on Syria. And imagine if we would have listened to him. Take a listen here. Now, Republican Congressman Ron DeSantis, he represents Florida's 6th District. He's a member of the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. Right now, he says he is voting against U.S. military strikes action in Syria. I got the chance to speak with him earlier tonight from Washington. Let's check in with Congressman Ron DeSantis there in Washington. Congressman John Kerry is, is telling Congress and selling Congress on the idea that this would be a limited strike. But what, what I'm hearing from you is that that could be a limited strike, could be more problematic and could get us into more trouble. 
Well, that's exactly right. Part of the problem is they haven't defined the actual objective that they're trying to achieve. They talk about degrading Assad, but that's a very gauzy concept. It's not clear how that would work in practice. And so, in ex by extension, they haven't articulated a plan to achieve that. When I vote to authorize military forces as a Navy guy, that's a threshold requirement for me. I want to see a clear objective, and I want to see a plan to achieve that objective. And that's all the more important, given that this is occurring against a backdrop of a vicious civil war in Syria in which both sides are hostile to, an America, to America's interests. You have the dictator Assad, who's backed by Iran and Hezbollah, but then the rebel groups are predominantly made at this point by Sunni Islamic extremists and Al-Qaeda types. And so by attacking Assad, you are by definition helping out the Muslim Brotherhood and Al-Qaeda. Um, and I just think that when both outcomes are bad for us, then we should stay step aside. Sir, is there anything that could get you to change your mind, sway your opinion on this, and if not, how do you then respond to the criticism that the United States is standing idly by why chemical weapons are being used? Well, we're not standing idly by in the sense of you have got to have a mechanism to deal with this stuff. And if people in the Middle East are killing each other, um, you know, that's terrible. I don't think we like that. But injecting ourselves into the middle of the Civil War, we have to ask ourselves, would that actually prevent uh, deaths from occurring? It may prevent some, but it'll actually cause people to want to shoot at us, and it'll redirect some of these passions in the Civil War. So this is truly an instance in where there's no good outcome. Come. And so for us to try to get in there and micromanage it, I just think it's something that we're better off waiting um, and letting our enemies fight amongst themselves. Congressman, know you've had a full day of hearings and testimony, and we appreciate you spending a few minutes uh, of your time with us today. Thanks for having me. So, folks, he totally gets it. Not injecting ourselves into Islamic civil wars, no good outcomes, bad guys on all sides. What are we doing there? Um, so if you want to understand, get a glimpse into his sense of the Middle East, um, this is where he was nine years ago, before there was a great reawakening on the right about, you know, a lost two decades in the Middle East. So I think that is a very, very positive development on that front. Another interesting thing, just again, to clear the decks before we get back to um, medical freedom, Nuremberg doing the right thing, not following orders following God's law. But the Senate cleared a disapproval resolution on Wednesday to block the District of Columbia from basically loosening criminal penalties against thugs. They have this whole criminal justice deform bill. Um, as you well know, if you're not aware of it, just real briefly, there's something called the Home Rule Act where D.C. is a federal protectorate. It's under federal control. It's not its own state. They want statehood. Um, but they they have their own city council, their own mayor, whatever. But Congress, pursuant to that Home Rule Act, uh, they could vote to um, nullify any, any law they pass. And this thing passed the Senate 81 to 14. Chuck Schumer voted for it. Um, I think 33 Democrats. And Joe Biden said he's not going to veto it. He'll sign it, even though he wasn't so happy to begin with. It's unbelievable. It's the first time in more than 30 years that Congress has voted to nullify something the D.C. government did. This is pretty significant. It's unbelievable. 
And I was thinking, it shows you the power of bringing the fight to these people. So I've been fighting for a decade now, this criminal justice deform, de-incarceration, jailbreak agenda, pro-criminal nonsense in both parties. Oh, we need to let them out of prison. We need criminal justice reform. And again, there, there's nothing more radical about this D.C. provision than what all the blue states and even a lot of red states have been passing. Except there's one difference. Those of you who are familiar with Capitol Hill know that the crime has spilled right up to the hill. All those streets there where there's apartments, you know, where there's townhouses, where a lot of the members and their staff live, they're, they're getting assaulted. You know, a Democrat congresswoman was beaten up in a, a elevator somewhere near there, and a number of staff members have been beaten. The fight has been taken to them. See, typically, they could live in a gated neighborhood, but what do you do when you have to work in D.C.? Well, now you got a problem because the neighborhoods around the Capitol are actually real. Most of them are bad, not all of them, but most of them. And they've gotten worse because of the jailbreak. So it's amazing. I mean, typically you can't get a single Democrat to oppose something like this. Boy, does it make a difference when you bring the fight to them. And that's why I'm a big fan of this philosophy. If you can't make them see the light, make them feel the pain. So just something to... Keep in mind, very, very interesting lesson there. Um, our next sponsor today is our friends at, at uh, <clears throat> LibertyEstatePlans.com. You have a chance to secure your financial future by also supporting not just this show, but one of our team leaders, Andre and Angela Ong, are our Missouri state leaders. Um, we're kind of rebuilding our Missouri Liberty Strike Force team. And if you want to join them, you could sign up at kanaaction.network. But Andre, um, he was born in Brazil and he's, uh, you know, came to Missouri and as a kid and is just a really, really smart guy. Um, he's one of our Patriot Academy graduates. He's a constitution coach, uh, teaches the constitution out of his house. So his Liberty Estate plans basically help you plan to place a moat around your estate so the government probate can't grab it. Each plan is customized to your unique situation. They don't just fill out stock forms. You'll pay a one-time fee, but you'll receive as much time and as att attention as you want. Basically, they'll prepare everything you want, the legal documents, financial documents, walk you through the process, and even be there when inevitably the states keep changing their laws. If you already have a state plan, but you want to make sure you're getting um, everything taken care of, they'll review it complimentary for free. So go to libertyestateplans.com, look at their contact information, schedule your free consultation with Andre today. Let him know Daniel sent you. Uh, talk to him about the Liberty Strike Force team if you're in Missouri uh, as well and do a two-for-one, 20% off if you mention my name. Again, libertyestateplans.com. So folks, there's a lot of news out on... COVID stand. There's a lot of important bills to focus on, and we're going to keep doing that. I wanted to mention one point. Um, it's it's a it's a really minor point, but it's a profound point. Dr. Lynn Finn mentioned to me this week. Imagine if you have something as earth shattering, and just almost like a a, a hurricane to a to a sea, to a boat in a sea as the COVID shots in the population. So you now have 
every single organ system affected. You have every single disease known to men and new ones not known out there. She mentioned something very interesting. If you're into drug development, therapeutic development, legitimate stuff, as they're pushing, remember, this is a double-edged sword. Like everything, it's a two-tiered system. As they foist upon you dangerous products, they'd seek to block things that are truly innovative. She mentioned an interesting point. If you want to conduct a clinical trial on something legitimate, whatever it is, any sort of therapeutic for anything, your product is now going to be flagged in your trial group with all sorts of ailments because everyone's freaking sick from the COVID shots. The COVID shots are such an earth-shattering change that it's going to distort clinical trials for years to come on everything because everyone's getting all sorts of diseases now. So you cannot differentiate between the COVID shots and the and and you know is is the new therapeutic doing it? Now I understand you'll have a control group and you know you see if it's more in the trial than the control, but still a lot of products are going to have problems. And believe me, the same FDA that doesn't want to recognize the problems with the COVID shots are suddenly going to recognize those ailments and maladies to stick it to a drug that they do not want to approve. So that's definitely, definitely something to keep in mind. Um, By the way, one other interesting data point we have here, it's funny how as we mark the rise of the Fourth Reich, a lot of the best data points are coming out of the former home of the Third Reich in Germany. D. Welt has an article out Barmer, B-A-R-M-E-R, it's um, a large insurance company. They noted that among their workforce, you know, the workers for that insurance, health insurance company, there has been a 76% increase in medical absences from their workforce in 2022 over 2021. And it's both COVID-related and non-COVID-related. 2022 is when nearly everyone got boosters. According to Our World and Data, Germans got 77 boosters per 100. That's like double the rate in the U.S. So yet, there's four times as much COVID-related absence and other related absence if you do the math. They recorded 231 sick leaves per 1,000 people. That's unbelievable. In 2022, and, and, and this is compared to 2021, that was the year of the worst pandemic ever. And I'll be the first to tell you it was bad. That was the gain of function. That was the gain of function year. That was the Delta variant. And yet the COVID absences were worse. The reason why that's so important is because that jives almost perfectly with the data we're seeing of in December a 39% increase in excess deaths in Germany 
And that happened to also be the worst month for their sick leave. Again, we have enough evidence to literally convict someone if the shots would be a person. So it is it is all over the place. You cannot miss it. But I just wanted to, want you to note, you know, the next time you speak to your doctor or whatever, you know, they're like, oh, well, that's COVID. Well, that's this. That's not the shots. Yeah, but how did COVID get worse than anything that ever before, precisely after everyone was, you know, all shot up with at least two doses, if not three or four, especially all the vulnerable people. So again, the pattern is holding that we're finding worse excess deaths, worse sickness, worse, worse, you know, absences in the employment system, you know, certainly coinciding with the excess disability numbers precisely after the shots were introduced. So again, keep in mind, what is that going to do for clinical trials down the road for every other product? But I do want to get to our special interview today, the antidote to the Nuremberg violations, someone who adhered to the Nuremberg Code beyond belief, very appropriately sponsored today by Jace Medical, um, a doctor that helped people get antibiotics um, early on, you got to prepare for the future because I'm telling you, they're going to do this to you. They will do this to you um, with the real or contrived shortages of antibiotics. You need to make sure you have the key antibiotics on hand for when you need them. Jace Medical, if you go to jacemedical.com and enter review at checkout, not only will you get off your order, but you will get a full prescription. You have to fill out a little bit of a form there. It takes a couple of minutes. And then you'll get your Jace case, which is composed of five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use from amoxicillin to doxycycline and uh, uh, three others as well. It treats UTIs. It treats um, sinus infections, things that you really need on the fly, respiratory infections. Um, and you'll be able to ask them any questions you you have so this is something to get in touch with. Again, jacemedical.com, enter code review. Take your own health into your hands. So folks, the most distressing thing I think all of us saw throughout this was what came and emanated from the medical profession. How they could watch people dying from COVID and they knew exactly how that show would end they understood the cytokine storm. They understood the sats dropping, and they refused to do anything for their patients. And these were primary care doctors, would know their patients for years, refused to help. Wear a mask. Well, what if I get, a, get COVID? Nothing. And we lived through this saga. But then you had a couple of brave doctors that often were specialists. And it wasn't their job. And they were earning plenty of money Doing what they do, they didn't need to get their hands dirty with something that only has risk and no return in terms of the government, in terms of the medical profession, their license. And then there's Dr. Kirk Moore, who's a level beyond that. This is a man who did the right thing. This is a man who didn't just follow orders. And, and this is what we've seen the theme is. Oh, yeah, give someone hemlock. That's totally fine. Or deny someone life-saving treatment. That's totally fine. You know, imagine you're like a car mechanic, and someone's like, yeah, you know, put uh, K2 
chemicals that will combust the car when when you turn on the engine and blow it up. Like, wait, what? Huh? No. But then imagine everyone in that profession going along with it. It is now abundantly clear that when we call for trialsandexecutions.com, it's an understatement. Because they're still pushing this even after they know that the shot has negative efficacy against COVID, kills so many people, and that they're greasing the skids for more technology in the pipeline for other shots that do the same thing. It's like, oh, it kills people? Awesome. Let's continue this. So we had the worst violation of life and liberty put together. They said, you can't live a life unless you get the shot. But the shot itself denied life. Put the two together, and you have the most immoral, unjust law you could ever imagine. And we know from Thomas Aquinas, the old adage, an unjust law is no law at all. We have Dr. Kirk Moore here, who's a Utah plastic surgeon. He owns the Plastic Surgery Institute of Utah in Sandy, a little bit outside of Salt Lake. Graduated top of his class. You know, plastic surgeons do pretty well. He didn't need money, didn't need fame, could have just towed the line like everyone else. What does a plastic surgeon have to do with COVID? But like so many doctors, he treated and treated and treated. Starting March 2020, from almost day one, treated hundreds of people, kept them out of the hospital, saved lives, treated patients. He always did the right thing. And then people started coming to him. What do I do with the vaccine? And all along, unlike all of the other people who broke the real laws, not just God's law, which is certainly the real law, but even the laws on the book with emergency use and informed consent, he gave the proper informed consent. But he was indicted in January, along with uh, two of his staff and a neighbor, by a federal grand jury in Utah for conspiracy to defraud the U.S., conspiracy to convert, sell, convey, and dispose of government property. They're accusing him of giving, you know, up to 1,900 or so people fake saline shots and disposing of the COVID shots uh, in order that people could have a vaccine card and live about their lives. And... You're reading this and you think, even if he did what they allege he did, shouldn't he win a congressional gold medal? Shouldn't he win the presidential medal of freedom after everything we know? I mean, if someone says, hey, I didn't enforce Jim Crow. I didn't enforce slavery. Well, isn't that a good thing? Shouldn't the Republicans in Utah immediately put forth legislation defunding this prosecution? We always ask for people to do this, and then when someone actually does, we don't have their back. And, and I want to make very clear, he is not being accused of, you know, taking the law into his own hands in the sense that, oh, man, people are coming in for COVID shots, and I don't think they're good for them, so I'm just going to give them fake shots. He's being accused of, of people coming to him and saying, look, I don't want the shot. What do I do? and abiding by their informed consent. By the way, as this is going on, you have numerous cases of doctors throughout the country doing the opposite, forcibly injecting people that didn't want the injection or children who, whose parents did not give consent. There is a, uh, um, a civil case now in the District of Columbia 
uh, being backed by the Children's Health Defense Fund, and I don't see the feds going after them. But the very people who themselves belong in jail that openly defrauded the federal government, but more importantly, the American people, and not just defrauded them, but defrauded them in a deadly manner. And guess what? They have the power to send people to jail for not going along with their fraud. And when I saw this story, I was like, wait a minute. Isn't this everything we asked for? Isn't this what we want of the medical profession? Why don't we have his back? But for our part, we're going to do that. Um, you can go to standformore.com is his website. More, give, send, go. And that's M-O-O-R-E. So a full more there. Um, to donate to his legal expenses. He is fighting for his freedom, could face five years in prison. This is a very big deal. This is someone who should get the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and we will make that happen one day. But first, I want you to hear from Dr. Moore himself. Hey, Kirk, thanks so much for joining us today, and thank you for everything you've done. Oh, Daniel, thanks for having me. And I, I know you, you're a little bit under the weather yourself, so your voice is a little weak. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll try to keep it as short as we can. Um, I want to work backwards. I want to start from the second half of what I said, the COVID shot stuff. You know, the government is accusing you of disposing of, let's see, it's over 1,900 Vaccines. Yeah, 1937. 1937. They say, where, where is this here? It's uh, 391 children right. shots, 524 shots for adult shots from Pfizer, 64 Moderna, and 958 J&J between October 2021 and September 2022. So what they're alleging is you started this in October 2021, which was well after we knew all of the issues from theirs and everything. Um could you talk a little bit about what motivated you um, to follow informed consent when almost no other doctor would do that? And how does a plastic surgeon get involved with the vaccine to begin with? Well, I, um, I, 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 it was ingrained in me to follow informed consent from the very beginning. Um, you know, beginning of my medical career back in 1989 when I started medical school, um, you know, all through the military, um, you know, when, when I was a flight surgeon in Mississippi and Florida, um, you know, it, it, informed consent is a, just a natural thing. I mean, I, I have to give informed consent for every single one of my procedures, every single one of my surgeries that I do in the office. So why wouldn't it be informed consent for anything else? Um, so that's, that's just an underlying fact of my practice. Um, and so when I saw um, you know, when, when I saw that, you know, one, the EUA requires informed consent and requires no coercion, um, just in, in the EUA itself. Um, so I, I knew that it was wrong to force people to get a shot to keep their job, force people to get a shot to have a medical procedure. I mean, we still see it today. Uh, there's people that are on the transplant list that can't get a transplant unless they have it, you know, unless they get jabbed. Um, and, you know, so that's, that's where it started for me. How does a plastic surgeon get involved? Um, it started with, you know, again, it goes back to, I have to take a little bit of a step back, but it starts with my treatment. You know, I started treating people back in March. 
and why am, why am I a plastic surgeon treating people with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? Well, I start with my family, I start with my staff, I start with my friends. Um, and then they talk and then more people come to me. My patients come to me. They find out that, Hey, you know, I heard you treated so-and-so for, you know, COVID on, you know, March 27th. Uh, you know, I, I just got a positive test, uh, you know, and I'm feel, not feeling so hot. So, you know, what do I need to do? Um, so that's, that's how it started. And so then when the vaccines, you know, and I hate using that term, um, but when when the you know when the government comes out and says that oh hey we got a vaccine that cures this, um, and we we already knew that it didn't, um, and we already had the data that it didn't. Um, but you know people are coming to me and they're they're in dire straits. Uh, they can't travel. They can't keep their job. They're um, you know they're uh, you know can't go to the medicine you know can't go to the can't go to the hospital. Can't see their grandmother. Um, they can't go to school. That was the big one, you know, because it started in, you know, summer um, of 2020, uh, or sorry, 2021, um, with kids going back to school and schools were requiring vaccines and schools were requiring, you know, my daughter was going off to college. Um, and, you know, they, they were, you know, and the schools are still doing it. Cornell is still requiring you know, vaccines. I think, you know, some of them are pulling back. I think the University of Michigan or Michigan State said they're no longer going to require it. But, you know, universities are still requiring vaccines. They're still requiring a, you know, a, a, what people say is a death shot, um, you know, clot shot. Uh, that's what, you know, Zed Zelenko moved from. Moved, you know, he, he went from the gamut of, hey, I'm just treating people, you know, to, you know, everything. And I, I kind of followed his, you know, kind of his, stance when he started in March of 2020, sending that first video to, you know, to Donald Trump and saying, hey, you should try hydroxychloroquine. Um, so that's how I got involved. Um, it was just a, it was a need that um, people coming to me saying, I can't go anywhere else. Nobody's treating me. Um, and I don't want to die. That's, <laughs> that's, that's where it came from. So that, that, that's interesting, because I didn't know that. I didn't know that again, and we're going to talk about different things that you read about you in the press, and it's very unflattering. So, yeah, you know, what's this guy getting into? But really, that puts a whole nother spin on it. You were involved from day one, like so many other specialists we had on this show, because the primary care doctors refused to take care of it. And uh, again, you had nothing to gain, everything to lose. You take on more liability for nothing, but you did it because people were dying and you felt you had the treatment. And then, you know, once the shots came in, it was a similar dynamic. Now, obviously, you know, people here understand that this is an ongoing criminal investigation against you. It's an indictment. Um, later this year, you're going to have your next court case. Uh, this is a big deal. So, you know, we're going to be a little bit cagey here in terms of what you say, what you don't say, per the advice of your lawyers. Um, so you're not necessarily confirming or denying certain allegations, but there is one thing I want to clear up one allegation that I, that you are denying. Um, so, and, and, and this doesn't matter in terms of criminal activity, but this is kind of a PR campaign because you know how this stuff works. It's all political anyway. There's no rule of law. So they're saying that you made $96,850 off of selling fake vaccine cards. So that point you rigorously contest. I do. I, I didn't charge anybody. I did not take any money. I didn't bill anybody's insurance. 
there was never any quid quo, you know, quid pro quo on any of this. Um, every single treatment that I did, every vaccine that I gave was free. Absolutely free. Absolutely free. So to be clear, again, that's why it's important to understand the beginning of the story. You didn't get involved with COVID with the vaccines first. It was the treatment. You never treated anyone with, you know, to make money. You didn't uh, bill insurance. So there's no insurance fraud. Um, well, I mean, with COVID treatment, it wouldn't be fraud, but you didn't bill it then either. Uh, you never billed insurance, never anything. Um, and obviously, I knew it smelled. I smelled a rat because I was thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know your financials, but plastic surgeons don't usually need to get involved in this. And like, hey, I'll give you a vaccine card for some money. It's like, it's not worth the risk and liability. Like, we all knew that they would prescribe the death penalty for anyone caught doing that. So it's not exactly the type of thing you're going to do if you're a specialist. Like, who needs... It just didn't make any sense who would do that if you didn't believe in it. You're going to do it for money. But they try to taint it as, like, a financial scheme or something. So where did this money thing come from? So um, after I was treating people... Um, I'm not taking any money. Uh, one of my patients said, you know, Hey Kirk, um, you know, we want to donate to somebody. Where, where can we, you know, do you have a, you know, do you have a place that you can donate? And at the time I really didn't. Um, and I started going to, a um, to an organization that started kind of promoting health freedom. They were involved in the October 20, we had a special session here for our uh, legislature to get to pull back on the mask mandates and take the power away from the Utah Health Department um, and uh, um, and and the uh, county health department. Um, and during that time, I kind of I, I found an organization that was promoting health freedom. Um, and so I, as this kind of went along, I went to some of their meetings. Um, and then when this patient came to me and said. Um, hey, who can we donate to? I, you know, I got a hold of them. I said, do you guys, you know, can you guys take donations knowing that they would? Um, and said, I, you know, I, I have patients of mine that want to donate to, you know, to your organization. And so they gave me a QR code. And uh, we, when, when patients would contact us, we would send it out to them and ask them if they were, you know, willing to donate, if they wanted to donate, that they could donate to this organization. And that was that was how that's how it materialized, uh, and that's and that's and that's where the money went. Yeah, I don't have so, any uh, I don't have any affiliation with it. I just I just would go to their meetings. Exactly. Yeah, people wanted people were very grateful, and they said like, "Where should we give it?" So he's like, "This is a five hundred one c three fighting for medical freedom," and and that's where this is. So this is to be clear, you know, there's nothing but conviction that motivated you. The the risk um, that you are exposing to yourself to is pretty extraordinary. Um, why would you, why would you open yourself up to so much risk? You know, a lot of people took care of very close family, friends. Why did you expose yourself to so much risk? Well, that's what it started with. It started with friends and family and it started with close friends and close patients of mine that have been long-term patients. Um, and it just, it grew and I couldn't say no. Um, it, it grew to the point where, you know, so-and-so's brother's sister, you know, his best friend, uh, who agrees with, you know, the whole narrative or agrees that, you know, uh, we need to kind of promote health freedom, you know, they're struggling 
or have people that are in the military. We have a couple of military bases that are close by, um, and they were going to get kicked out. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, you know, you just, uh, I'm not saying sob stories, but you're, you're, you know, you're just, you're trying to save people's livelihoods, which is really kind of, uh, ironic, isn't it? Um, you know, that, that a lot of the physicians will claim that they couldn't do anything because they were also trying to save their livelihoods. And yet, you know, they're sacrificing other people's livelihoods by, mm. you know, by not doing what it is that they want. Um, and, you know, and I'm an independent guy, you know, I'm, I'm not tied to any hospitals, you know, 70, 80% of physicians are, you know, they're salaried in some capacity or they're tied in some capacity to a larger institution. Um, so they have rules and regulations that, you know, that they have to abide by. Um, you know, again, the same thing goes there though. I, I, I lost my hospital privileges because I wouldn't wear a mask in the hospital. Um, and wow. so I, you know, I went in there, I went in there like, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm no Scott Atlas. Scott Atlas is much smarter than me, but you know, when he told that story, when he's walking around with the COVID care team in the hospital and in, in the white house with actual articles, when, you know, I, I got pulled into the principal's office at the hospital and I walked in with a stack of articles about masks and how ineffective they were. And we have articles dating all the way back into sixties and seventies to talk about it. You know, there's articles about, you know, surgeons and the, the operating room theater in New Zealand, the only person wearing a mask is the surgeon, the surgeon and, the, and their assistant that's there over the operating room table. Um, everybody else that's in the operating room theater doesn't wear a mask. So the whole argument that, well, if you're a surgeon, you should be, you know, you should be wearing a mask and you should understand how, you know, how good of a job it does. I got into a Twitter spat back when I still had Twitter in, in 2020 about that with some surgeon in, or some doctor in England. And he's like, well, you're a surgeon and you should know better. And I'm like, yeah, I am a surgeon and I do know better. Here's an article. And then he blocked me. <laughs> um, and then, and then I, you know, and then he, and then my, and then my account got closed because I was posting stuff that was inappropriate, right? CDC data that was inappropriate. So anyway, I mean, that's, it's, uh, it was just, uh, it was crazy. You know, you may I'm sorry to, I'm not um, rambling. Um, but the money side of it, you know, there's a, there's that whole organization that got busted in Spain that was having people pay for COVID cards based upon their ability to pay. I don't know if you heard about that. So what, there was a CEO of a large, um, uh, of a large pharmaceutical company there that got caught in this, uh, sting operation of some place in, you know, the upper hills or, you know, kind of like the, the mountains of Spain where, you know, people were giving out cards and then they were listing them online or listing them on the database. And it was a huge financial um, scam because the people that couldn't afford anything got it for free. But this, you know, the yep. CEO, of this pharmaceutical company was paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. So it was like a means test for people to get a COVID card, a fake COVID card. So um, anyway, I just, sure. But you know, obviously you weren't doing that, but, but, no. but let's not lose sight of the ultimate fraud, the government giving roughly $30 billion to these companies, even after they knew it was dangerous and ineffective and absolved of liability and mandated on the human body and marketed, funded, and distributed by the government. And that's somehow not fraud. I mean, they bought yeah. another 1.5 million Novavax doses last week after already having to dispense of a bunch of unused ones, free money. That is the biggest fraud. 
And then Pfizer now saying in the federal case in Texas, well, you know, the FDA wanted us to defraud them. They're fine with that. So we can't be hit up on on um, on on a false claims act on fraud because, hey, they wanted it. And now these guys have the nerve to come after you when you didn't trick a single person, um, even according to their own allegation. Now, can you just to the extent you could talk about this, talk a little bit about the genesis of the federal investigation and how that came about? So um, what I can tell you is basically what's in the indictment and explain, you know, a little bit about, you know, kind of the other part that happened, you know, on January 11th, um, about 12 um, agents showed up in my office um, and refused to leave, said they'll wait until I I, I was busy seeing patients and, um, and my office manager comes back all in a panic Hey, there's agents here. There's agents here. And, uh, she said, I'm just going to make them wait. And I said, okay, make them wait. Um, and eventually, you know, two more people showed up, two more people. And so eventually I think it was 11 people in my waiting area, 11 or 12 from the FBI, uh, the OIG's office of HHS, um, and, uh, the, and the DHS. So the Department of Homeland Security. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so they came that day was to confiscate. Uh, they had a search warrant for my phone and my office manager, Carrie's phone. Um, and so they served those search warrants and got our, you know, got our phones. Um, matter of fact, I didn't have my phone. One of the agents had to follow me back to my house. Turns out it was in my car. It was stuck between the seats of my car. But um, when, I, when I said I had to leave and go to my house, he walks towards me. He goes, um, okay, well, you know, I'm live and the guy goes yeah we know where you live um <laughs> and then uh, and he's walking towards me he goes are you gonna shoot me and i'm like uh um i i was really taken aback by that i didn't, I didn't really understand what that meant um if i'd have been kind of really kind of you know quick-witted uh like like you are daniel i probably would have said well are you gonna give me a reason to um but i would have said no i would have said no um i'm not giving out covid <laughs> shots here <laughs> <laughs> So, um, anyway, uh, so that, that was on the 11th of January, I believe, which was a Wednesday. Um, and then the following Wednesday, I wake up to an email, um, with a, uh, from a website for, you know, reputation defending, um, with a screenshot of an article in the daily mail, um, claiming that I had given away fake vaccine shots. Wait, 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 um, back out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Take that slow. You're saying that when the 11 agents, multiple federal agencies, came to your office, you didn't even know what it was until you read it in the media? Correct. Yeah, they, they didn't say anything to me about it. If you go back and you look at it, in hindsight, being 2020, the indictment, the grand jury indictment was unsealed on the 10th. And that's the reason why they came and the search warrant. They didn't tell me that I was under indictment. They didn't say anything. They just said, we have a search warrant for your phone. Um, I didn't know where to search. I hadn't seen anything online. Uh, I certainly wasn't served any paperwork. Um, and as a matter of fact, there's five, my business, and then the four people um, that are co-defendants on this. Um, two of us have still not been served, have actually never received paperwork Um you know, to present ourselves to court or anything. I got served on the 26th of January, which was the day of my indictment. So, 
it, it was just kind of a weird thing. I, you know, they didn't come in. I'm, you know, I thank God I did, they didn't show up and arrest me and throw me in jail and have me and, and keep me in jail overnight or whatever it is until I have my, you know, first appearance or something like that. I mean, it was a very benign process in that respect. But, um, but yeah, there's there's two, maybe, I, I can't remember if two or three, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, at least two of us have not been served, have never received paperwork. Two have from, not been served, uh, even though, I mean, it's all public yeah. in their DOJ indictment. I mean, I know there's a little bit of a different process with grand juries, but I didn't know that made a difference. So, yeah, I, I understand a lot of this process. Obviously, you can't discuss. Do you have any regrets to this day of anything you may or may not have done? Um, you know, that I absolutely not. I, I did the right thing. I treated my patients the way they wanted to be treated and the way I felt that they needed to be treated. Um, and even with the situation that I'm in right now, um, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I, you know, I, I, I saved people's lives. Um, I saved kids lives and, um, I'm, you know, I have, I have zero regrets. You know, I'm just looking, doing the math now. CDC's own data that there's a 7.7% rate of clinical level injury from the gene therapy. Um, you know, if they're alleging that you withheld. That's with on the their consent, own data. That's that V-safe data, right? That's the V-safe data, 7.7%. Right. That would be about 150 people if you do the math here that they're alleging. So their allegation is that you saved 150 people from clinical level injury that that's CDC's own data. Um, and that's, you know, that's without death because VSAFE obviously doesn't report death because if you're dead, you can't report back on the app. So those were among the living, you know, so that that's not including in the denominator there. That's 150 people. So that's what you're being accused of. Again, to me, this is a candidate for the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Congressional Gold Medal, and we will be uh, writing a nomination for that as well. Um, this is, this is unbelievable. So again, how could people help? What do you think could do to raise awareness? Oh boy. Um, you know, I just, I, I think that if people just kind of start pushing back and start telling people, I'm not gonna, you know, that this jab is, is illegal. This vaccine is not a vaccine. Um, and start, you know, just being more vocal and standing up and pushing back against this, you know, this, this technocratic tyranny and, um, and, and just saying no, you know, I mean, Nancy Reagan, right. That was her motto. Just say no. Um, just say no. And, and, you know, it's just kind of like, I, I think that that's what it is. You know I mean? We just, more people need to stand up for their rights. People need to realize that nobody looks out for you like you. Um, and you know, nobody is looking out for you. Everybody is, you know, and there's a lot of people that are just kind of, oh, no, the government can't do this. They wouldn't do that to us. I, I just don't see that happening. And, and, and people have to realize that it is happening. You know, we, we are losing our freedoms left and right. Um, and, you know, and at some point we're going to get to the point where you're going to look over your shoulder and you're going to say, well, there's nobody else here to help me. Um, and so people need to stand up. Um Secondarily, we, you know, this is an expensive, very expensive, uh, you know, lawsuit defending myself against my own funds with the government that's spending my own money and your own money to take me down and take us down. Um, While and, Pfizer uh, is absolved from from the millions of people they killed and injured. Right. 
Right. Well, again, uh, if we can figure out a way to prove fraud, um, then I think the contracts that they signed, and then I don't think that the CARES Act, the PREP Act, and the 1986, um, you know, act of, you know, whatever that one fair act, I think it was, um, I don't think that that's going to protect them. It shouldn't protect so them, it, but, you know, this is where we are. So, again, we got to run, but it's right. um, more MO. O-R-E, give, send, go. Just look it up, standformore.com. Dr. Moore, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for standing for not just your own life and liberty, but other people's life and liberty as well. We're going to definitely keep on top of this, keep us updated on everything, and may God be with you. Okay, I appreciate it, Daniel. Thank you. God bless. Take care. So again, folks, Dr. Kirk Moore, I, I stand in awe of him. This is the antidote. This is the immunization that we need against tyranny. And, and the thing is, we don't even need that many people like him. He is the Boston Tea Party. He's the Sam Adams. He's the guy, allegedly, who dumped the tea into the ocean and boy, is that a powerful analogy if you think about it. Flushing the vax, flushing the tea. Because it perfectly embodies what we're up against, but how it's magnified times a thousand. Back then, they wanted you to pay a little bit of an extra tax on tea. That was the fight. Now, they want to put poison in your body against your will. And we can't even get people to fight it and to dump it into the ocean when we freaking paid for it unbelievable but we don't even need that we need people just to say no you don't even have to go out on a limb for other people just in your own sphere this is what we had during covid everyone would enforce it on each other even when they weren't on the hook for if they got caught there would be criminal penalties like like in this case this guy get, get in big trouble i always talk about how my son and i we went to this little woodworking program you know kids were locked down and everything and it was a homeschooling group and they were all okay with us not wearing a mask there even though they were stupidly complying with it and the leader totally agreed it was stupid and he's like yeah you really need to do it and there was no way you would even get caught and it bothered me the fact that he didn't believe in it more than the fact that he did see if you believe in it you believe in the stupidity so you think it's important he knew it was wrong but was too scared. But scared of what? No one was going to get in trouble. You weren't going to get caught. It's in your own little sphere, your own room. No one would know. That's how bad it was. Just say no. This is what it's going to take. Ultimately, we talk about this legislation, that legislation, this presidential candidate, this court opinion. But ultimately, we are our only defenders. It's we the people. And you got to get a group around you locally, a group that's going to push back, that's going to have each other's back. You grow it. This is one thing we're going to do. You know, as the legislative sessions end, we're going to work on how we could interpose in a safe way, we the people. Again, conaction.network to join one of our legislative strike force teams. But folks, this is the way it's done. This man is the Raoul Wallenberg, the Oscar Schindler of our time.
And boy, are there few of them. He's the Sam Adams of our time. He's the one who's willing to risk it all. He just, he absolutely couldn't say yes to a law that violated God's law. But he couldn't say no to people in need. People who had the boot of the government tyranny on their neck. What an inspiring story. So again, if you could help at standformore.com, it's a, you know, Dr. Kirk Moore, just Google it, give, send, go, you'll find it. Please donate generously. This guy's the real deal. Very respected doctor, didn't need to do this. Now he's he's in a world of trouble, but we're going to turn this around. We're going to make it. They have to defund the prosecution. I'm going to be working on that. You guys help me as well. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. Thank you.